Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Perfection is the enemy of good. There are so many people I see paralyzed all the time trying to make perfect decisions. Your kids, one of the things I tell my kids, like, you're not going to be perfect with everything. Look at all the evidence, make the best decision that you can, and move on. You got to make decisions all day long. Perfection is the enemy of good. The NFL right now and Roger Goodell are trying to be perfect. And as a result, they've been awful for three years. There's not going to be a perfect solution. Jerry Jones says, screw that. I'm a businessman. I make decisions on the fly every day. I've looked at all the evidence. We're standing for the national anthem. Nobody's going to be in our locker room. Toe on the line. We're going to do it. So Dallas Cowboys are going to do. And if you make a lot of those decisions, and most of them turn out good, the overall totality of your decisions leads to a really successful business. That's how the Dallas Cowboys have gone from million cost when Jerry Jones bought them to over $4 billion now. Jerry Jones has driven the NFL business and many other NFL owners have climbed in behind him and said, yeah, look at what Jerry's doing. We should be doing that. If you have trouble uh, making decisions, look at people who are good at making decisions and work on having their process. How do you make that decision? Why do you make that decision? How do you reach that? NFL right now, Roger Goodell trying to be perfect. Jerry Jones is good. As a result, I think he's basically taken over the job of NFL commissioner. My guy, Peter Schrager, uh, he is on the NFL Network. Good morning, football. Sidelines for Fox Sports at P. Schrager's on Twitter. And as you move into the start of the NFL training camp season, Peter Schrager, what are the two or three stories that you think every NFL fan should be paying attention to? Is it Andrew Luck's health? Is it uh, the quarterback situation with uh, all of the four, I think, new first-round draft picks who may potentially have a chance to play? What's out there that you are paying particular attention to? 
My man, Clay. Uh, two things I like, and this is not uh, one of the – every, every team has cool storylines. Every team uh, should have every hope to go to the Super Bowl. After last year, we saw the Jaguars go to the AFC Championship game and the Eagles go to the Super Bowl. So this is why I think the NFL is better than the NBA. Right now in August and July, every team is alive and you can make the argument. To me, two storylines that I love. One of them is Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, and I feel like I'm going to try to – be in on the indie band before it gets huge yes. or, you know, like this kid, I'm hearing stuff from my Kansas city guy saying this kid throws the ball. Like few quarterbacks anyone's ever seen throw a football. Now you guys obviously saw him in the big 12 and the numbers he put up at Texas tech, but if, if he's that good, they're willing to tell Alex Smith, not only, you know, are we good that we're going to trade you away. This wasn't a situation where Alex Smith was a free agent. It was like, I'll find someone else. They traded him away because they had to find a way to get Patrick Mahomes on the field. Andy Reid's in the twilight of his coaching career, I would think. This is a cool mix, and they're so good and young, the Chiefs. So I'm excited for that because for all the rookie quarterbacks, you've got a second-year quarterback who they basically mortgage a franchise and said, hey, it's all yours. And then the other one is Gruden. I think Gruden's a cool storyline. I think he's going to bring someone to the league, and I think the Raiders are a national fan base, and they instantly get better with him as coach over Jack Del Rio. So Gruden and Mahomes, I know it's AFC West and it's very early in the morning right now, but those are two little storylines that aren't getting a lot of love nationally. All right, what about the four quarter? I think it's fair to say Lamar Jackson may have uh, some some packages that are put in for him, but unless something happens to Joe Flacco, the odds of him playing uh, in, a, in a substantive way are pretty low. What about the other four guys? Um, Josh Rosen seems to be the most ready to start day one. Does he win that Arizona Cardinals job, and what do you think happens with the other three first-round draft picks? He might win the job. I think they really like Rosen, but I think it's uh... – it would be more Bradford losing the job. It's Bradford's job for now until Rosen takes it. And I do think Rosen gets on the field at some point. Josh Allen hasn't gotten to camp yet. This is an interesting one because when we're talking about rookie minicamp, I know a lot of guys up in Buffalo who are saying that this guy throws the ball like Joe Flacco throws the ball when Joe Flacco was throwing the ball 80 yards and all that. So he might have a shot, but A.J. McCarron is likely the one there. The one to watch, to me, is what's going to happen with Sam Darnold in New York because – McCown is a really well-liked guy and a solid quarterback, and then Bridgewater has been turning heads as well. you got to get Darnold on the field, though, I think. If you're a coach and Todd Bowles going into year number three, you went 6-10 and ten the first two years, Like you need to have some sort of flash or you're going into next year. So it's going to be interesting. I don't think any of them, and I, and I mean this in, on July, whatever we're at, I don't think any of them start week one, which is kind of an anomaly considering what we've had in recent years. What's going to happen with Andrew Luck? Is he going to be back 100% healthy, or is this going to drag on uh, into the training camp season as to whether or not he's able to actually play? I have such caution with this because I was burned last year. Um, Chris Bauer, the GM, said that he wasn't going to start the the summer on PUP last year. And then Pagano, who's become a friend, really, and Chuck uh, said last year, 10 days before their week one game, that he was going to start week one against the Rams, and he didn't take a snap, didn't throw a pass, and it's from the same lingering injury. So apparently he's saying right now he can air it out, and he is airing it out behind closed doors. But it's what's the saying when, like, you've got a friend who, you know, talks a lot about the girls and the conquest, almost like, let me see a picture. Like, I need to yeah. see it to believe it. Like, okay, like, we get it, buddy. Yeah, you're such a stud, but let's see it. That's how I kind of feel with Andrew Luck. And it's not because I don't believe he's telling the truth. It's because I've been burned by this before, and, Week one, it's going to be 617 days since we've last seen Andrew Luck throw a pass on an NFL field, which is a lot. And you think about the modern science and the way these guys get healthy and all the different routes they take to get healthy, that to me is just a giant red flag. And 
when he's healthy, and I know it's a huge if, when he's healthy and if he is healthy, there might be no better quarterback in the NFL. But i got to be patient. I, everyone jumps the gun on these things. I want to be patient with Andrew Luck. You just mentioned uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars making the AFC championship game and honestly giving the Patriots everything they could handle in that title game. Who's a team this year that you think could have a Jags-like jump? Is there somebody you're watching and you think, man, fans of this team should be excited? I know it's July. Lots can go awry. And you mentioned the the great thing about the NFL is I think it sells hope more than and better than just about any pro sports league in the entire country. What team or teams do you have your eye on? That's the thing, Clay. You can literally take a dart and just throw it at the wall, and no one can tell you you're wrong. So if I said the Bengals could make a leap, I can make the case. That, and, I, and I do feel that they're going to be better. I, I started the show talking about Mahomes. I think the Chiefs might be really good this year. I think the Chiefs might be really exciting this year. I, I don't think Alex Smith held them back. I think he was a more than competent quarterback and had some great numbers. I just think we're going to get three to four highlights from this quarterback. We're all going to get on board, and they have so much young talent whether it be Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, or their addition, Sammy Watkins. I-, I am so excited to see what the Chiefs do with this new quarterback under center because I feel like they were a 5-10 to ten yard team last year, and now you're going to open it up and be able to let Andy Reid do his thing. They could either be 5-11 and 11 or they can go 13-3, and three, but they're a team that I'm excited to see. What are you hearing about LaShawn McCoy? Uh, there's always negative stories as you come into training camp, and that story seems to have died down a little bit. Uh, what is your expectation, obviously, in Buffalo with the uncertainty at the quarterback position? Uh, you could argue that his uh, status as the running back there and the most reliable offensive weapon matters even more. What's the latest? Yeah, I mean, they have a new, they have new quarterbacks, obviously, and then you go, they don't have Eric Wood, they don't have uh, Richie Incognito. There's a lot of changes there with McCoy. You know, the team has said that they're looking into it. The league says they're doing an investigation. My thing is this, and I feel like it's uh, it's an interesting road for the league because the Jameis Winston case, and I know you've had your takes and a lot of people have, and everyone's weighed in on the stupidity of being in that car, and that's fine. But that Jameis Winston case, there was no criminal investigation. The Buccaneers, from what I gather, and Jameis' people don't know what the NFL got. It wasn't really released to them. And it was kind of like, all right, we're going to give him a three-game suspension. If he apologizes, he did apologize, not exactly for anything. It's kind of like we're navigating in this world of the unknown with the NFL with some of these issues. So with McCoy, you know, we we get the story initially, and everyone rushes to judgment on Twitter because that's just the age we're in. He comes out, and, you know, they say this, whatever. Okay, but the question is, does, did he did he do it? Did he not do it? Like, I don't – I don't know where this goes from here. And so now he said, okay, it's gotten, 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 gotten quiet. Well, what does that mean? And does that, if he did do this, then I don't want to see him ever take the field. But if he didn't do this, I feel like he deserves to take the field. So you're going to do an investigation of the cops doing investigation. This is where it gets murky. And I feel like the NFL, if they're going to take matters into their own hands and investigate these things, there needs to be a thorough process in doing so. And in the meantime, these guys, we saw Ezekiel Elliott last year. We were seeing Jameis now. Like, this could go down a road where, all right, we're just wait and see, and then if it's wait and see, it, it's it's the entire season, and then this guy's name is in the It's very interesting, and I think the NFL has this issue when baseball and basketball and other sports don't seem to have it, and more than the anthem issue, I feel like the NFL needs to get this issue in hand as well. Yeah, I, I disagree all the time with the idea that they should be doing their own internal investigations. All right, you just hinted at it. Is this going to go away this year, the anthem issue? I saw Jerry Jones come out, uh, and I, and we started off the show. I said, look, I mean, I, I'm fine with Jerry Jones telling us exactly what he thinks. He's a business owner. 
and he's made his case pretty straightforwardly. I don't think it's going to get that much blowback because if you just come out and say, this is our rule, I think people have to deal with it. Uh, what is going to happen? Is it going to get resolved? It's not going to be resolved because the president has the pulpit and the president is going to be going through midterm elections and he is, this is right in the heart of football season. So yep. um, I don't see it being resolved necessarily. The question is, how does the NFL handle it, and how do the NFL players associate handle it? Right now, they seem like to be sort of on the same page. There seems to be some sort of uh, uniform response where they're working on things together to figure this out. But no, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And I, I don't necessarily um, have a take on it either way at the moment because I feel like it's going to change from tomorrow to the next day and everything. So as long as Jerry Jones is talking and that someone else is talking, like the story continues to change. The narrative is going to continue to change. And the original reason for Kaepernick's protest and the original you know, reason for the NFL owners to support certain things, that's been so lost. So it's a moving target, and I, and I think it's going to be something that the NFL is going to have to grapple with the entire season. Peter Schrager, NFL Network, as well as Fox on sidelines. Good morning, football. For people who haven't watched your show on the NFL Network, you guys have got great momentum. Tell them why they should. It's the good morning show. It's the one that's good. Put it on. No, uh, Clay, I always appreciate your support. It's it's awesome, and uh, we're rocking. This is our third season. We're just starting. Like we had a whole Christmas theme yesterday because every team is back at training camp. And if you know from doing sports radio in June and July, and I guess you talk NBA, so it's different. But we were talking NFL in June when the teams weren't even there, and now there's things to talk about, and we're so excited. Outstanding stuff. Go follow him on Twitter at P. Schrager. He's Peter Schrager. Uh, good luck with the show today, my man. Appreciate you getting up early Thank with you, us. Thank you, brother. You're the man. He is uh, Barrett Sully. He is down in Atlanta. We had him on uh, last week at uh, SEC Media Days. The Big Ten's been going on. Uh, the uh, the Pac-12 just happened out in uh, California, I believe. Everybody is basically ready now for college football and the NFL. And I want to start with this question for you, Barrett. We talked yesterday on the show about this uh, Big Ten network versus Comcast battle and the possibility that Comcast might pull the Big Ten network off of its uh, its programming, which uh, myself and, and obviously huge numbers of people nationwide, I think Comcast is the biggest cable company in the country. Is this a big deal to you, uh, this potential battle between the Big Ten and Comcast over the future of the uh, the Big Ten network? Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal as long as it's not a leverage play. This time of, type of, a time of year, usually you do get that. I mean, leading up to football season, you get a lot of uh, of battles between companies to, to try to you know play le- uh, use their leverage to get the better deal. But, um, yeah, it's concerning uh, because you look at how these conference channels have operated. The Big Ten, I would say, is been the most successful one uh, in the sense that it, it led the way. And to have the kind of success it had as sort of the trailblazer, um, I think led the way to the SEC network and others having uh, some success and, and in some cases in the SEC's case, more success. So, you know, to have, you know, this kind of battle going into football season, I think it's one that Comcast almost has to win because, uh, you know, I think it, the, the if they don't, then it could, I think, send ripple effects into what would be the new wave, which would be cord cutting or whatever. People would, would jump to that quicker and, and realize that, hey, you know what, it's, it's not that bad to have Hulu Live or YouTube TV because you still get what you want and you pay a lot less. 
Michigan has been making a big deal of the fact that they got Shea Patterson. I feel like if you're a if you are a bull on Michigan, you're an optimist. You've been selling, man. What Jim Harbaugh missed last year was just a good quarterback. Uh, Chris Felica, who I think you probably know and certainly mm-hmm. works on uh, College Game Day, tweeted this out a couple of days ago, and I grabbed it. In eight career games versus Power Five opponents, Shea Patterson has thrown 14 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Eight touchdowns, eight interceptions, 49 QBR, and was sacked 16 times last year in the five games he played versus Alabama, Auburn, Cal, LSU, and Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Um, is Shea Patterson overrated relative to expectations at Michigan? Without a doubt he is. Uh, he's, it's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen, this idea that Shea Patterson is just going to come in and, and be the superstar savior for Jim Harbaugh. It's, it's just not reality. Uh, people that, that think that I think don't haven't watched him actually play because last season against winning teams, not just Power Five, just teams that had winning records, he threw two touchdowns and five picks, and those two touchdowns came against Auburn after they were down thirty-five points. Uh, he's a one-read and bail guy, and to have that lack of success against halfway decent teams with the best receiving core in the SEC and perhaps the best receiving core in the country last season. Is um, I think is very indicative of you know a, a guy who's overrated. Now you know he, he might fit better at Michigan. He probably does fit better at Michigan. But I you know this idea that he's just this savior for Michigan football and is going to come in and and immediately be a difference maker. There's nothing in his track record to suggest that's accurate at all. In fact, there's a lot to suggest uh, that he's going to be a letdown rather than than the savior. So. It's yet to be seen. I think when it comes to Michigan, they, you know, again, they might use him better, but everything we've seen from Shea Patterson at Ole Miss with a great receiving core um, has been has been rather disappointing relative to where he was coming out of high school in terms of high school height. I, uh, I'm intrigued in general by Harbaugh and what's going to happen this year. I know you have not been a big buyer into what Jim Harbaugh has been selling, neither have I. He's 1-5 so far against Ohio State and Michigan State. He was asked about that at the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten Media Days, and he said, and I quote, improvement will lead to success, will lead to championships. That was his full answer. Is the bloom off the Harbaugh rose? That's the most non-answer ever, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I know. It's Butch, Butch Jones is like, oh, man, be, uh, that, that, that sounds beautiful. Butch Jones is like, man, I should have thought of that one. Yeah, no kidding. A note card. Um, no, it's, uh, yeah, the Blues off the road. You know, this year is, is critical for him. I think if he wasn't Jim Harbaugh, like a Michigan man, if he wasn't the guy that they absolutely had to go out and get, uh, he'd be on the hot seat this year. But he's a Michigan man. He's the guy that they want to have turn around the program. So I get it. I mean, I understand why why there's not a ton of pressure internally on him right now. But that'll change this year if they don't win uh, and they don't beat the rivals. Because yeah, Michigan is not a turnaround program. We've seen coaches turn around programs quickly. Urban Meyer, Kirby Smart, Gene Chizik, Nick Saban. You know, some of these guys have you know the ability to sustain success. Will Muschamp at Florida got Florida at the Sugar Bowl in year two. Uh, yeah, went eleven and one. Right, yeah, some of them don't. Chizik and Muschamp don't. But power programs don't take four years to rebuild. Like they, they just don't do that. And this idea that Michigan was in just sort of some abyss of you know talent and, and they were devoid of anybody who could run even a sub-540, that's just not true. 
So after four years, if if he's not competitive, then I think he's you know he's going to have to answer some questions to people that paid a lot of money to get him, and, and as of right now, uh, clearly overpaid to get him because they're not getting a return on their investment. That that there are a lot of big early games. To me, the Michigan Notre Dame game is massive. Like I don't think last year, obviously Brian Kelly had to bounce back and prove that he still had still had it for lack of a better term at Notre Dame and had a very good season. Um, and this year, I feel like if Harbaugh loses week one to Notre Dame, the long knives are going to come out, and I think they're going to. I think Notre Dame will win week one. I think so, too. I think Notre Dame's going to win big in week one over Michigan, and I, I agree with you. I think um, that, that, would, that would change the discussion on Jim Harbaugh uh, very, very quickly because if you lose to Notre Dame, and look, Notre Dame is going to be pretty good this year. I know people want to think that Notre Dame's either going to be great or awful and nothing in between, but Notre Dame's going to be pretty competitive this year. Um, but if they lose to Notre Dame, and then you have to look down that schedule and see Penn State, and you have to see Ohio State, and, and you kind of look around saying, well, where are the where are the wins now? Wisconsin's on that schedule, so uh, yeah. I mean, I, it would flip the narrative big time on uh, on Jim Harbaugh. And look, I, I kind of relate everything that Harbaugh's doing now at Michigan to what Les Miles did the last few years at his tenure at LSU. And if you remember that Wisconsin game in Green Bay for LSU when yes. they lost, that really uh, sent Les Miles into a, uh, a a downward spiral. I don't necessarily know if it's going to be that quick for Jim Harbaugh, but if they lose to to Notre Dame in, in week one, then, yeah, I think a lot of people in Ann Arbor are going to hop, uh, hop off the ship and say, all right, look, you know, prove to me that I need to get back on this thing because uh, this is not what we're paying for. Three most likely teams to make college football playoff as we enter into this year. A lot of the names are going to be very similar. I'm going to hit each of them. You tell me what would have to happen for this team not to be the best in their respective conference, all right? Let's start okay. with Alabama. What would have to happen for Alabama not to be the best team in the SEC this year? Lose to Auburn or lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game, and both are possible. Auburn's beaten Alabama twice in the last five years. Like the, the idea that they're not scared of Alabama, that they're scared of Alabama, is just not true. Uh, they know how to do it. So uh, if they lose to Auburn uh, and or they lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game, uh, one of those two things happens, then Alabama's not making the playoff this year. Clemson. Clemson is a prohibitive favorite in the ACC. They seem to have created, I know Willie Taggart's in year one now, Jimbo Fisher bails on Florida State, but Clemson seems to have created some decent space between themselves and Florida State. Uh, Miami doesn't seem to be necessarily the same caliber of level of talent as Clemson. How much of a gap is there between Clemson and everyone else in the ACC? How does Clemson not make the playoff? Uh, there's a huge gap. I, I'd be floored if Clemson doesn't make the playoff. The only way they don't is if they lose like eight defensive linemen to injuries because they, they there's such a big gap. In fact, looking at the uh, the, the landscape right now, uh, the the biggest lock to make the playoff right now is Clemson. I, I, unless they start losing everybody up front defensively, I just don't see how that's possible they miss it. Yeah, okay, let's go to the Big Ten, where Ohio State is the favorite. I think you can make a case for Penn State. Some people would make cases for Michigan. You and I would not be those people. Uh, Michigan State should be pretty decent. We'll see elsewhere. Uh, What do you see in the Big Ten? Is Ohio State the presumptive favorite in your mind? Should they be? They are in in, in the public side, but they're not in my mind. I think Penn State is. I I think we vastly uh, sort of overlook what Trace McSorley is. That dude's a gamer. He is a guy who is, is a leader. He knows what the offense expects from him. And Miles Sanders is a really good running back. And James Franklin told us 
this past offseason on, on Sirius XM that this is the best offensive line and the deepest offensive line that they've had by far and since he's gotten there. And leading up to this year, it's been more of a liability, except sort of last year when they were able to work through it. And now they've finally got the offensive line where they want. Miles Sanders is a good running back. Defensively, I think they'll be just fine. Um, Penn State, to me, is in my mind, is the favorite in the Big Ten, although I do recognize that I'm in the minority there. This is, uh, this is fascinating. All right, we were talking earlier in the show about NFL teams we thought could go from bad to good. It happens pretty regularly in the NFL. If you had to pick a team right now that is not getting a lot of attention that will be in playoff contention in late November, what team would you point to? Bad to good playoff contention in late November. How about Oregon? Yeah. Oregon has a bye week before they host Washington in mid-October, I believe. With, with Mario Cristobal and Justin Herbert, who's fantastic, was one of the best quarterbacks in the country when he was healthy last year, and a system that is basically going to stay in place, and Jim Levitt was here in year two as the defensive coordinator. I think Oregon, especially if they beat Washington in, uh, in mid-October at Austin Stadium, I think they've got a chance to go into November with a playoff spot in line. Um, and even if they lose to Washington, sort of on the periphery in terms of, okay, if, if X, Y, and Z happens, they've got a chance. I think Oregon is being vastly overlooked. I think they're the second-best team in the Pac-12 North uh, right now behind Washington. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they made a run. Outstanding stuff, as always. Follow him on Twitter, at Barrett Salee. We'll talk to you again soon, my man. All right, see you, Clay. Thanks. Girl, I think's done a little bit of shows on Sirius XM as well as doing a very popular podcast right now. She's Casey Smith at KAYC Smith. You can find her on Twitter. Casey, thanks for waking up early with us. This Johnny Manziel uh, show that you guys have been doing, one, it's blown up. Two, it's been a lot of twists and turns already in this Canadian Football League season, huh? Yeah, it's been wild. And, I mean, I, we just dropped episode seven this morning, actually, and I know you'll find this one pretty interesting because you lived it with me back in 2013. But he tells the whole story about missing the Manning Camp Academy, the whole fiasco, and he throws A.J. McCarron right under the bus. So it just dropped, like, 15 minutes ago, and he talks all about the SEC media days when he was there and how everybody was making a big deal out of nothing. And it's just interesting to be able to hear him talk completely uncensored about those things and then, of course, Last week, having Danny Amendola talking about the Patriots. I mean, I've gotten pretty lucky so far. It's been a blast. What does he say uh, officially now on the record about the SEC media days? For people who have forgotten, he uh, he overslept at the Manning Passing Academy, I think was the story, and he got sent home. Uh, what does he now say was the, the reason for why he got sent home? Yeah, he said that he absolutely overslept and that he took responsibility for it. But if you remember, Clay, it was weird because A.J. McCarron was saying that Johnny never showed back up at the dorm room they were sharing, that he had left where the camp was. And Johnny said that somewhere along the way that the counselors had gotten the idea that he had gone to New Orleans on a party bus, that he and Bo Wallace and some other SEC quarterbacks had gone to New Orleans. And he said when he got back to the room at 2 o'clock in the morning that A.J. McCarron was not there. He woke up the next morning. He had overslept. And by the time he got to the camp, his mom had already showed up and they were already sending him home. And he's got some pretty strong words about it. He's like, look, at this point, I would tell the truth. I own the mistakes that I've made. He's like, I did not go to New Orleans that night. And he talks about how he and AJ kind of had words about it in Hoover at SEC Media Days because AJ said he had his back. And then, of course, when the cameras turned on, that story turned completely different. So it's really interesting because, you know, you're, you're six years removed from it. And he's saying, I, I did not go to New Orleans, but for some reason, AJ McCarron's 
thought I was. So it, it's it's weird to see the feud even this many years later. I can't believe that's been six years now. Is that true? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it was so it was what 2013, so five years because he won the Heisman in 2012. That's what's so wild is he's only 25 years old. But it was six years ago that he won the Heisman. So it's like he's super young, but all that craziness feels like it was not as long as it was. But yeah, I mean, I met you, what, seven years ago, eight years ago? That's crazy. Yeah, that is pretty wild. I mean, the Johnny Manziel, the fact that he's still so young is also a crazy part of this story. Do you think he's going to play for Montreal? Did you get any sense from that at all? Yeah, I don't think that he's going to start tonight. Their first game is tonight, and he has said you know, that he understands the expectations are high. The whole reason he was traded was because Montreal needs a quarterback. Mike Sherman, who recruited to A&M, is the head coach. But there's also the understanding that reality sets in. You can't learn a playbook in three or four days. So he is absolutely going to be their starter. I don't know how soon, uh, but you get a good sense of, of this on this week's episode that he understands that this is his chance. If he wants to make it back in the NFL and wants to prove to teams that not only he can still play, but he means business off the field and is going to kind of keep his life together, uh, that he's meeting that expectation right now. How have you found the podcast business to be? Like, you've done radio. Obviously, you're on live radio uh, with me now. You're good at radio. When we first met, you were doing radio. Then you moved into doing sidelines, television, video, and whatnot associated with that. So uh, how is the podcast business, have you found it to be? I know it's been very successful, but how have you found it recording-based and everything else to be from your perspective? It's definitely different, and I know you understand the difference between live and tape. I mean, I've been used to doing three hours of television a night in Boston, and then you go do a podcast, and it's like, okay, you sit in a podcast studio, I'm wearing yoga pants and my hair in a ponytail and no makeup, and then it's getting picked up by the TV shows that I would have once been on. That's what's crazy to me is how podcasts get picked up so quickly. Like last week, Johnny was not on. We had Danny Amendola, like I mentioned, talking about his time with the Patriots, kind of throwing a little bit of shade at Bill Belichick while also saying he's the best coach of all time. And you're just sitting in a studio talking, chatting, and then all of a sudden you turn on NFL Live or get up on ESPN and they're talking about what you said on a podcast because it's so easily accessible where you don't have to be tuned in live to it at the time to hear it. So anybody can access it at any time. And that's what's crazy to me is how popular podcasts have become, just like part of my take at Barstool. I mean, it's everywhere because you can access it at any point at any time. And that's really cool, I think. Uh, we're talking to Casey Smith at KYC Smith on Twitter. Go follow her uh, and let her know. Thank her for getting up early with us. So uh, I don't think we talked to you about the Jimmy G dating a porn star move. I know you're a fan of Entourage. This is an ultimate Vince move by uh, by Jimmy G. Uh, I was not we, nobody on the show, uh, and we're not we're we're not uh, porn star experts. But no, but we're not also we're aware that porn stars exist. Uh, none of us knew this particular porn star. Had you ever heard of her before? What was your reaction? when you saw that TMZ video? I had never heard her name before, but when I saw her, I was like, oh, that's the girl that did the Kim Kardashian spoof. Like, yes, a lot of people that. know like, her from that, yes. Yeah, like, I remember that. I didn't know she was in her 40s either. Like, that was She looks pretty good for 40, yeah. Yeah, I was like, Jimmy, well, like, I think my first reaction was to laugh because it's like Jimmy Garoppolo is so wildly good looking and he's yes. obviously young and made a ton of money and now he's living in California and the fact that he took her to wine and dine her, like it wasn't like, oh, just come over to my hotel or let's go out to like a seedy club. It's like, no, I'm going to take you to a nice restaurant in Beverly Hills and wine and dine you. That makes me laugh because Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to do that with porn stars. Yes. But I mean, that, it's just crazy to me. But hey, you know what? I want him to come out and say that he likes her or something like Vince did in Entourage. I know it didn't turn out well 
in the fiction part of it, but just be like, hey, so what? You guys don't like this. I like her. She like maybe they're his girlfriend. Whatever. I think that'd be a hilarious turn. Just be like owning it and saying whatever. I don't care what you people think. When he said in his official comments for the first time that do we have that audio, guys? I don't. I bet Casey hasn't heard this. Do can you guys grab the audio of Jimmy G addressing dating the porn star? All right, here it is, Casey. Listen to this. Life is different now. Um, my life uh, off the field. I've never really been big on, you know, uh, being very public with things, you know, even social media. I'm not out there a ton, but, uh, you know, my life's looked at differently. I'm under a microscope, and it's like Kyle said, it is a good learning experience. Uh, Just have to take it in stride. I mean, it is what it is. Good learning experience. Intentional joke about dating a porn star or totally unintentional? Uh, I would like to say it's intentional, but I just, I don't think Jimmy G is making that intentional. I think that's like the total canned, like, oh, learning experience. But I would love for him to be serious about that, especially after she put that Instagram story up about talking about having to pull her hair up. Like, I just, I would love for that to be the twist. A 90, what percentage of women who are single would date Jimmy G in America right now? You mentioned he's 26. He's incredibly good looking. I saw him out in Vegas at the NCAA basketball tournament this year. We were walking, uh, and by we, I mean I was walking in the Palazzo, and he was standing. You know how like really good-looking people always seem like they're standing in the right light? Somehow yeah. he was standing. He looked like Prince Charming. Like There was like a, a nice like ray of light that somehow was coming. There's no light in the casino, and somehow Jimmy G is standing in like a bright light uh, sh- shining there. He looks like uh, he's always in the right light. And I was like, my God, this guy is really good-looking. And I thought about getting my picture taken with him then, uh, because I was going to tweet out like two best looking guys in Vegas this weekend, something like that. But I don't know him. And I was like, ah, is that going to be weird if I get a picture? So I chickened out getting a picture taken with him. Um, but he was standing next to an incredibly gorgeous girl, right? I mean, like it's Vegas, but drop dead gorgeous girl around his own age. What percentage of girls, and later that night he was at Hakkasan, he had a table, he was out with his buddies. But what percentage of girls do you think would date him? Just signed a $137 million contract, living in San Francisco, the starting quarterback for the 49ers insanely good looking i mean i think it would have to be at least 90 percent. and the only reason i wouldn't say 100 is because i know there are girls out there that are probably like oh i'm just not into the spotlight i'm just not into the super good looking guy give me a dad bod which is crazy to me because jimmy garoppolo is i mean he's obviously super good looking but he's also really good at football so you would think that that would all kind of line up but, I mean, it's got to be over 90. Like, set the over-under there, and I think that might even be low. All right, so you just mentioned the dad bod. Tom Brady had a shirtless photo go viral in the last, you know, several days. You're going to be on Yacht Week, which we're going to have to get to here in a second. But uh, how, were you a little bit disappointed that Brady was not in better shape? Be no, honest. it didn't surprise me. It really didn't surprise me. And, first of all, like, working at Barstool, there's obviously a lot of guys that have – Maybe not full blown dad bods, but maybe growing dad bods for some. It's not. It's not. It's not a place known for its ripped bodies for men. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, don't tell them that. That might offend, but it's true. I mean, we talk about dad bods a lot at Barstool, but like we're looking at this picture, and it's like, okay, if this is the standard for what people think is a bad body, like everyone else is screwed. Because Tom Brady, even though he's not ripped up like a, a normal NFL quarterback might look. He still looks pretty good for his age for the average person, but he doesn't lift weights, right? I mean, that's the whole thing with the TB12 is, like, he doesn't do a lot of weightlifting. It's all resistance bands, and he is almost 41. So it didn't surprise me, 
But then when you say it's Tom Brady, you're like, okay, it, it, it is weird that he doesn't have six-pack abs because he's won five Super Bowls. We're talking to Casey Smith. All right, so you told us the last time you were on that you were going on vacation this summer and it was going to be something called Yacht Week. And I believe you were going, was it Croatia? I think yes. you were going to Croatia. So what is the latest on Yacht Week? And for people who aren't familiar with it, fill us in. So I leave tomorrow morning. So it's like coming up very quickly. And Yacht Week is basically a glorified cruise. You're on a yacht for seven days. You have um, five guys and five girls, and there's 30 boats that travel together around Croatia. They do them all over the world. They do them in Greece. They do them in British Virgin Islands. I'm taking the original route in Croatia. And it's you're on a yacht, and you sail together, and you go at night to different places on land, and you just sleep and live on this yacht. So I'm super excited actually finding – Eight different bathing suits has been my biggest struggle, and if that's my biggest struggle, I think it's going to be a pretty good vacation. So this Croatia thing, obviously, because they went to the World Cup final, and you saw all the the footage, I'm sure you did too, of people celebrating. Croatia seems like an awesome place to go visit. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I, I knew that from, I mean, I, this trip has been planned for about a year and a half now. Before I planned that trip, I had no idea that Croatia was as, as gorgeous as it is. Then obviously the World Cup, everybody kind of started figuring it out. And now I've talked to people who have been to Croatia and they say it's one of the most beautiful places in the world they've been. So it's like I'm going to basically what's on the screensaver of the background of your computer and I'm going to be on a boat. And they didn't win the World Cup, so that stinks. I really wanted them to win because I knew it would be an absolute circus over there. But it, like the spotlight on Croatia is so bright right now and I just get to go lay on a yacht and do it. Like I'm stoked. It's going to be amazing. All right, so eight bathing suits. I, my wife is uh, like an ultimate bathing suit, uh, uh, you know, like uh, shopper and extraordinaire too. But when you have to bring eight, break them down for me. Like, what is the like? How do you decide what day to wear what bathing suit? How do you decide what type of bathing suit to go with? In 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 the take me inside the female brain and break down how you make a decision on eight different bathing suits. And also, like, how different are the eight? Are they all different? I'm I'm genuinely fascinated by this because I have one bathing suit right now. All right, I have <laughs> or maybe two. And my, one of my bathing suits is like ten years old. And my wife was like, "This bathing suit's too old. Uh, we've got to go get a new one." And so I got a new one. But I, I give zero thought to which bathing suit I wear, other than one of them had the netting in it. And like, I don't know about anybody else out there, but for men, I think netting is one of the most, the worst inventions of all time. Like I'm a board short guy. So my wife was upset with me, but all the boys like were, were complaining about their netting too. So this past uh, summer, like last month, I just got the scissors out and sliced out all the netting for the boys. Cause I think like put, putting yourself inside that net is like, it's like a man being in a cage. So I hate that. <laughs> so that's my only real strong opinion on the bathing suit business, but you've got eight, break them down for me. Yeah, no, I mean, the difference between men and women's bathing suits is really funny. I mean, like, my boyfriend's in the past, my current boyfriend, like, he has two. And he's, like, pretty yes. good with fashion. He's like, listen, I don't need more than two. Um, but for the girls, like, I actually have no idea what the move is on when you should wear it. Because I just feel like, okay, I have to have eight bathing suits that I feel like look really good on me. And by the way, like, this is first world problems. Like, I'm sitting here breaking down bikinis to go on Yacht Week. Like, I... Feel like Are they all bikinis right or do you have a hot one piece? Because my wife has like one or two really, I didn't really believe they existed because I'm like, yeah, I, I don't really buy into that. And there are some really hot one pieces now. I understand that have also become popular. Oh, I definitely have some one pieces. And then they have a thing, I'm going to throw a wrinkle in this for you, Clay. They have a thing called a monokini, 
where from the back, it looks like a bikini, like it looks like two different pieces, but in the front, it's somewhat attached, whether it's like down the stomach, down the sides, or whether it's like, a, you know, laced or something like that. And if you have, if you don't know what a monokini is, just find Sofia Vergara in a monokini at some point on Modern Family. I'm sure if you Google, you can find it. And she looks fantastic in it. And I remember seeing her a couple seasons ago, and I was like, I have to have one of those. I'm not going to look like her in it, but I have to have one. So I've got like two of those bikinis, a couple hot one pieces, and I'm just going to wake up during the day and say, okay, what what do I think looks best on me and how much do I plan to eat and drink today? And that's probably what I'm going to go with. The other big decision for women, I feel like, is what part of the boob are you revealing? Like, are you going Ooh. side boob? Are you going top boob? What's the current popular boob part to reveal? Because it's like it constantly changes. I'll talk to my wife about this. Like, side boob in this summer or not? Top boob? Like, what are we talking about in terms of boob revelation here? What's the I feel latest? Like everybody, everybody has their own, like, what they think looks best on them. I think that it's really, like, if you find a bikini that's like, oh, your side boob looks really good on it, then you rationalize why side boob is in for that day. Like, if under boob is in for that bathing suit, then you rationalize that. And it, you're totally right. Like for a long time, it was like, okay, just cleavage. Like that's what you want. Then it was side boob. Now I feel like it's pretty much anything. I mean, Russell Westbrook is out here showing under boob <laughs> and he's not even a female. So it's like, you can just show whatever part of your boob you want and you're fine as long as some of it's covered. So bathing suits are made like they're, I can't imagine when they're going to be like in 10 years, but I've put on some bathing suits, you know, in my twenties now, I was, I'm like, who wears this? This covers absolutely nothing. This is something Jimmy G's girlfriend would wear on a date with him. This is wild, but everything goes with bikinis these days. It's pretty cool. All right. How panicked would you be as you are preparing? I don't want to, I don't want to give you nightmares tonight because you're leaving for Croatia tomorrow. What happens if they, you spend all this time to pick the perfect bathing suits. What happens if they lose your bag or do you travel with the bathing suits and a carry on because you're like, I'm not even going to risk this. 100% 100% a carry-on. And the good thing about a trip like this is that because you are on a boat and you're in a bathing suit 80% of the time, all your clothing is really tiny. So the challenge that I have presented myself today is that I'm going to fit everything that I need in a carry-on because the fact that I could be on a yacht without any clothing or anything to have for eight days, because it's not like they can deliver your luggage to a traveling yacht in the ocean. Yes. Like I'm carrying everything on because I'm not risking it. Because even though I'm sure there would be plenty of people that would be fine with girls having to go naked in the ocean, I am not going to be okay doing that. So I'm going to have to make sure I have a bathing suit. All right. So you're going to make a lot of people's day with this. If they want to follow the Croatian Yacht Week from their boring desk jobs, they can follow you where on social media? On Instagram at Casey underscore Smith, K-A-Y-C-E, or Twitter at Casey Smith, and it's K-A-Y-C. My parents really made it difficult for me, but uh, we're, we are going to have some Wi-Fi, so I am going to be able to post some, so definitely want to check in. So I've got a lot of my single girlfriends going with me, so it's going to be a lot of fun. That sounds pretty outstanding. I know I, I, I said last question, but this is actually the last question. Dallas Cowboys, you are a big Dallas Cowboy fan. Jerry Jones came out and said, hey, the Dallas Cowboys are all going to stand for the anthem. Your thought? I think This whole thing to me is like we're going to have to wait and see what is happening during the season because the NFL seems to be putting all of these like rules in it, and Jerry Jones was verbal about it last year. If people want to kneel or sit for the anthem they're going to do it i think the cowboys are probably all going to do the same thing just because i feel like they were on the same page last year but we'll see it's all going to play out in this season and this whole anthem thing i'm so sick of hearing about it i'm so ready for it to be over with 
Amen. Casey Smith, have fun on vacation. Uh, they'll be following you. I'm sure many people listening to you right now on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, thank you for hanging with us. Sounds great, Clay. Thanks. Oh, 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 you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.